Blog Talk Radio. Can Mikel Franco become an all-star? Um, we're also 
we're going to talk about Jeremy Hellickson, as I just mentioned, and we're going to talk about talk about him. And is he the designated uh, person to pass the torch in the rotation? Because he is 29. He's one of the oldest guys in the rotation. He's also the guy that's only on a one-year deal as well. They could be at the deadline. So we're going to talk about that. We're also uh, going to look at Brock Stassi and Daniel Nava, who made the team out of spring training. What will they bring to the table? We're going to look at a couple of prospects in the final in the Phillies farm system that could make their debut. Then we're going to do a little bit betting for all you betting people out there. We're going to look at the over-under for the wins for the Phillies, and if you'll take the over or will you take the under. But before we get into all this Phillies talk and Phillies conversation, you already know, who, you already know who's, on, who's on the podcast with me every week, especially when we got to talk Phillies. My co-host, the one and only Angela Montoni. Angela, how are you doing? Baseball is it's, back. The Phillies are back. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I'm doing very, very well. Even so much so for me to bust into song on air when I couldn't carry a tune if it was in my backpack. So there you go. <laughs> hey, like you said, it is the most wonderful time of year. We can finally start putting... Like I said in the open, we can finally start putting the other sports on the back burner here in the city. You know, there's only so much, me and you know, there's only so much we can talk about football every week. There's only so much we can do that before we just get tired. And there's not really much to talk about in basketball, per se. Regular season winding down. We got the national championship. That's still good and all. But we got to talk about the boys in uh, summer. Well, depending the on your Yes, we don't, don't want to go there. Um, we don't want to go there. I'm still, I'm still in first place in my bracket, so I mean, I'm, I'm cool with the national championship. So, wish me luck, listeners. But no, let's go on to the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Phillies, they're back. As I said, it's weird. It's weird that they're playing. Like I said in the opening, it's weird they're playing Cincinnati for the second year in a row for opening day, mm-hmm. back to back. In Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati wasn't too kind to them in the beginning of the last season, I hope it's kind to them this season. And one player who I'm hoping has a good year this year is Mikel Franco. I think I definitely will be off talking about him because he's a very special player. I think me and you agree that he's a very special player. Yes, only 23 years old, and just the how he it's been a, it's been a long time. Let's just say it's been a long time since the Phillies had an outstanding third baseman. No, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. you, Scott Rowland. There's been there's no, been there's been a long time. <laughs> there's been a long time since the Phillies have had an, he an, an outstanding player. <laughs> had an outstanding player at the hot corner that can also provide some pop in his back. When we look at Franco's numbers last season, he batted uh two fifty five with a with a on base percentage of three oh six and a slugging of four twenty seven. Not not bad, but it could be better. He played in 152 games, which was really good. 25 home runs, 88 RBIs, and 106 strikeouts, which isn't bad either. 106 strikeouts isn't bad compared to, you know, our favorite friend, Ryan Howard, who, you know, had more than. <laughs> yeah, he sure was, and he still hasn't found a team yet, which is very sad. Sad to see that happen as well. And but, um. It happens. Look what's happening to Jimmy Rollins right now. I mean, that's equally sad, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, the Rollins. Yeah, you mentioned it, yeah. Rollins. Yeah, that was sad, too. That was, yeah. That was, that's, that's kind of sad to see. You know, he goes he goes back to the hometown, sort of the hometown, and can't make the, and can't crack the, 
the 25 man. That's kind of uh, disappointing. Even though they said mm-hmm. the glove was there, it was just the the, the bat. That wasn't there, so yeah, that's sad. Chase up with your only hope right now. <laughs> Chase is yeah, our only hope. Yeah, we see the last man selling up the last man standing, but one of them. Yeah, and Carlos Ruiz. Can't forget about Chutes. Can't forget about him. and Cole Hamill. I just remember that. Yep, and Cole Hamill. That is true. And what? And, and Big Joe Blanton, right? I think Big Joe is still around. Yes, yes, yes. Although I hate that he signed a contract with the Nationals, but. I'm glad to see that he has new life in the bullpen. And, again, you know, that playoff game last year was the first loss he'd ever been handed in the postseason. And considering he'd been in the league over 10 years at that point, I think that's a pretty impressive stat. That's very impressive. That is very impressive. You're only going to hear that on Public Sports Live from Angela Montoya. Like, Yep, he was perfect in the postseason up until he had that loss last year for the Dodgers. I think he was, like, 7-0 in the postseason at that point. And he still has one of the hot. Yep. He still has one of the lowest. Uh, he, yep, he has one of the lowest post uh, all-star break ERAs in baseball. I'm pretty sure that still holds up. At one point, it was like 224. I mean, I, it's probably a little bit higher now, but I'm pretty sure it still holds up as one of the top active ones. Hey, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a player in Joe Bland who's considered and not an ace by any standards. And for them to have that type of ERA is just is just ridiculous. But going back to Franco. We we got we got to our nostalgia moments. I hope that doesn't I mm-hmm. hope that doesn't spell bad omens for this season that we had to get nostalgia real quick. But uh yeah, Franco what what are you um what what kind of year do you think he will have? Do you think he'll improve on these numbers? Is he gonna take a step back? Could he become an all star this year? Because we had we had Herrera become an all star uh, this past last season representing the Phillies, can Franco mm-hmm. be that representative for the Phillies this year around? Pretty much, can he improve? That's I think that's the main question. Yeah, I definitely think he can improve. Um, I think his numbers last year uh, dipped from 2015, and I mean, mm-hmm. what he does give you is he gives you um, consistency. Like he played 152 teams, I think is what you said. Uh, mm-hmm. So he will go out there and play. Uh, he kind of reminds me of, like, a 2008 Pedro Feliz, which is good because Happy Feet was good to them. And, you know, he's got good defense. He's good at the corner. But I think he's got more pop in his bat. And, more pop in his bat. and uh, I just – I think having Matt Stairs as the hitting coach is really going to help him out. So, I think he's going to have a better year. Um, I don't really necessarily want to make, like, a – him run on the eye call, but I think he definitely has a better year than last year. And you know, Mike Schmidt was in one of the games. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago when they were, you know, making the calls. Mike Schmidt said that he sees Franco like potentially being in the running for MVP. Um, and Mike Schmidt's very intelligent when it comes to the game as we're looking at. So I would trust him on that. I, I mean, hey, I can see MVP. To be honest with you. His number is a 25 home runs and 88 RBIs. I think, without a question, Angela, I think there's no reason why he can't have 30 home runs and 100 RBIs this season. No, there's I, no I, reason I why it can't happen. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And if he does hit those numbers, you got to think, like like Smith said, he can he should be in he'll, he'll be in the MVP conversation. And I think if he has those numbers, if he has about 
30 home runs, 100 RBI, maybe a batting average around, like, mm, let's ballpark it, maybe 270-ish, maybe. Mm. you gotta you got to think that's MVP numbers to be in the running because that means the Phillies are playing good baseball, I'm assuming, if he's hitting that well. He had hope. Hmm. That is but, true. No, like, you're that right. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, they, I don't know, I feel like they could be in a position to be both buyers and sellers at the deadline. And I think one of the players I, I had said to you, one of the players I had said to you earlier, uh, it was a, it's a good fit for them is Paul Goldschmidt because he's kind of like mm-hmm. a utility player. He can play different positions. He bats like a steady 300. You know, the Phillies have the cap space to absorb his contract whereas the Diamondbacks are trying to get rid of their contracts to rebuild. I think he'd be a good fit, and I think he'd probably be one of those players that, like, they could sign him for the rest of his contract, and he might stick around for two years. And then be, like, another, like, transition player between the rebuild and and what um, what comes after. Because I think those types of players are very underrated. You know, we had some of them going in from the dark ages into um, – into like when the Phillies made their run, you know, and we mm-hmm. always talk about Jim. We always talk about Jim Tomey passing the torch at first base, but you know, there's another one that no one really ever mentions is David Bell. You know, he didn't yeah. really, he wasn't like he didn't light the stat sheet on fire, but he was a veteran presence at a position and held the position down while you know the farm system did what it needed to do to bring up the people that it needed to bring up. So you need those types of players. Phillies have the money to absorb the contract. Diamondbacks want to dump it, and I think he'd be a good asset at the same time. Hey, I think that is a good asset. You know what? I think I also think that's a good story idea for the trade deadline. I think that's a good story idea for the trade deadline. We got to save that in the vault. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Tough that. That's, that's a good story idea. <laughs> that's a good story idea. You mentioned Goldsmith. I just had to pull up his numbers, and I'm impressed. Uh, like you said, he's consistent. He's definitely a consistent, and he also he does a great. He's patient. He's very patient at the plate. I mean, we look at his numbers last year, and I mean, he had uh, 24 home runs, 95 RBI, um, 32 stolen bases, 32 stolen bases, 110 walks, a 2.97 batting average, a 4.11 OBP, and a 4.89 slugging percentage. This is coming off a season in 2015 where he had 33 home runs and 110 RBI. This dude's pretty good. And he's from Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, like I said, that's the thing. Like, he's, he's a good enough player, and the team he's on doesn't want to re-sign him, so they're going to try to see what they can recoup for him before they lose him the free agency. Their hand is almost kind of being forced at this point. Mm-hmm. And... You know, like, I think there's something to be said for players that are either going to get traded or free agents. Like, you notice, like, players that have been in the league like, a certain amount of time right. are really eager, it seems like, to go to a team that's, like, in, like, a positive rebuild state. Mm-hmm. Like, the Phillies are in. The Phillies are trying to rebuild and make the turnaround less than five years. Yep. There are some teams that try to do the rebuild and it lasts like over 10 and it's like this isn't a rebuild, this is just a crash and burn. So, I mean, he's a name that just I think keeps popping up on my radar. I think that would be like a really positive thing for them. 
Um, I think he would. Anyway. I think he would be positive too, because his contract mm-hmm. is real favorable as well. Really favorable. Right, and and that's the thing. Like I said, I think there's something to be said for these players that come in and help the team and the organization out through the transition between rebuild and uh, new life, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if these players are only here for, like, a year or two or three, like, we always still look back on them very fondly, like, hey, man, thanks for coming here when we really needed you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like you said, he's, like you said, he would be a good transition player. But looking at his mm-hmm. contract, he's set to make $8 million this year, which isn't bad. But like you said, Diamondbacks, they do not want to be on the hook for a player that's going to be 30, 30, going to be 30 in 2018 and 30 and 31 in 2019. That's owed $11 million and then $14.5 million with a club option. Like you said, the Phillies have the space that they want to do that to eat that money and to take on that contract for a guy that, if he's hitting 25 home runs and Chase Phil, I'm pretty sure he could hit about. 30, I'm going to give him five more extra. 30 in the bang box. At least 30. That's the main Mm -hmm. part. Oh, yeah. We have a very hitter-friendly park, so absolutely you're correct. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to keep my eye eye on Paul Goldschmidt this season. You now have me keen to watch what Paul Goldschmidt does this season. I'm very interested in what he does. Like you said, they can't eat his contract. They came to his contract, and they're already paying uh, who they're paying a lot of money to. Zach Green is paying a ton of money to him, a ton of money to mm-hmm. him. So, like you said, they're kind of in a weird situation right now where they're giving a lot of money to certain players. And it's an interesting thing. And Goldschmidt, like you said, he's getting up there in age. So, we'll see what happens. But definitely, that's the name of the, that's the, name of the deadline that I think we should all keep our eyes on for especially whatever happened at first base with Tommy Joseph. Can he continue to take that step forward? And will his backup, Brock Stassi, who we'll be talking about later, can he show a little bit of something? Because now he's going to probably be most likely platooning with uh, Tommy Joseph. So the Phillies are continuing to usher in the younger the younger era of uh, Phillies baseball, which is, which is honestly I think is great to say, you know, that they're starting to – Usher in the young guys, and you know they're not doing what a lot of teams would do. Angela, you probably would agree with this. They stick with the old guard, and they'll try to use band aids. Like, oh, we'll just instead of bringing up this young guy, let's just put, let's just find some run in the mill first baseman or second baseman to plug this hole. Well, yeah, but Can't at the same that. time, how do you? Yeah, how do you ever know what how what you have is going to work if you never try it? So they're doing the yep. right thing, bringing them all at the same time seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, um, mm-hmm. what what pieces need to be reworked, what needs to be completely replaced. Uh, they're going to back the right way. But I think the one important thing is, too, like we have to talk about, we're talking about the offense and, and players in the field, but I think also the pitching rotation needs to be addressed. And, yep. you know, we kind of alluded to this in um, – if the Phillies were to resign, or if the Phillies were to sign uh, Goldschmidt in free agency, how he would be like one of those passing of the torch players. I think one of those passing of the torch players is already on the team right now, and that's Jeremy Hollison. He mm-hmm. is essentially the designated passing of the torch of the rotation. Yeah, he is. No, he is, and I'm surprised. I'm really surprised that 
number one, I'm surprised that he had a good season last year. He had a really solid season. Twelve and mm-hmm. ten, a three seven one ERA. He played really well last season, hundred and fifty four strikeouts, a one point one five whip. I still don't understand what whip is. I need somebody to explain me explain me what the hell that is. Walks plus uh hits per inning pitched. Ah. See, that's advanced baseball analytics out there. I, yeah. I don't even know about the advanced football analytics, but I saw I was watching MLB Network and he was talking about like Grinky and Bumgarner's whip, and I was like, "What the hell is this? what is whip?" Yeah, I never so, knew what it was. So if someone has like a like a two point whip, then they average mm-hmm. two runners on base per inning, whether it's walks or hits. Oh, okay. So the low it's pretty much left. like your ERA. The lower your whip is, the better <laughs> the pitcher you are. Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of like tracking okay. the, the, your hitters that you get on base or your your batters that you get on base, but, like, it takes walks into account for where they're not taken into account in the batting average. Good, because Helixson's whip was 1.15, which is pretty good. Yeah. That's, I think that's the best of his career. And I was looking on baseball reference, mm-hmm. that's the best of his career. And like you said, Angela, he's the designated torch passer. And like I said, I was surprised that the Phillies didn't move him at the deadline last year. But I got to think, if he replicates what he did last season, they got to move him. They got to move him. Instead of doing this whole one-year qualifying offer type thing. I think they sit him down, and I think they talk to him, and I think they tell him they want to bring him back next year, too, and he says he wants to stay, and he doesn't move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, why do you well, why do you see him as a definite torch passer? Because I was interested when you said that. I was like, I wonder what he means by that he's the definite torch passer. I want you to elaborate on that more. It was very interesting that you that you used that terminology for a pitcher who's only twenty nine, but he's been around the block a little bit but now, and his rotation he, is very young. Yeah, he under the league in what two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So he's been mm-hmm. in the league. He's been in the league seven, eight years. He's got experience. He's got more experience than any of the pitchers in our rotation right now. Um, yep. He's, you know, I he was on my fantasy baseball team when he was on the Rays when he was really, really young. So like I'm, I'm more familiar with him than the average Philly fan. Um, he's been pretty consistent throughout his career. I think he maybe had one two off years, but in an eight-year career, I mean, two years is a very small sample size. Um, mm-hmm. He's just been, he's been really consistent in everything that he's done. He's done the same throughout his career, and, you know, he has really good game maturity. You don't really ever see him get riled up, and you don't see him get rattled on the field. Yep. So, and I think that speaks volumes to to a player and how a player who has been around and that experience can help mentor younger players too, because that's a huge part of it. Think about Kyle Kendrick, who had all the talent in the world, but his problem was in between his ears. Right. He had a great thinker too. He had a great thinker. He didn't have the mental stuff to do it. Whereas, you know, Joe Blanton didn't exactly have the physical stuff that Kyle Kendrick had, but what Joe Blanton had right. mentally had Kendrick in space. So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, Hellickson's demonstration of game maturity and maturity in general, like I said, like he gets up a home run, it doesn't shake him. He goes and pitches the next batter like it never happens. Whereas there were so many pitchers where they give up a home run and they get pissed and then they walk somewhere right. and they give up a double and then they let a, they let a two-run inning turn into a five-run inning. 
whereas mm-hmm. like Hellickson does that. He has the he has the you know the wherewithal to say, all right, all right, I'm going to stop it now. Like, yeah, I made a mistake, I messed up, but I'm going to mow this guy down, and he gets back up there and he does it. So it's a lot of things. It's his it's his physical ability, it's his mental ability, and it's, it's his experience from being in the league for for you know that many years. And he's been a starting pitcher in the league his entire career. He's never gotten demoted to the bullpen. You know, you don't nope. you don't ever hear about you know the couple teams that he's been on. He's never left a team and they've bad mouthed him. Like, mm-hmm. so that's why I think he's like one of those where he's like the torch passer. Like, yeah, he doesn't have like the greatest. Like, he's not like Ray Halliday. He's not um, Cliff Lee. He doesn't have the, He won't put up those types of numbers. But he's got really good mechanics, and he's got really good game maturity, and I think he's someone who can teach younger pitchers not only how to pitch well, but how to um, be someone in the game at this level and how to you know, rebound from mistakes and stuff because they do happen. Because that's one thing that every single pitcher in the major leagues has in common, and they've all given up home runs. They've all had to bounce back from that in the same inning. Yep, and they all have had to bounce back from bad outings where they get rocked and they get pulled mm-hmm. in the fifth inning, get pulled in the fourth. So they just it just wasn't their day. And one thing I like about Hellickson too, and I might be wrong saying this because I might be wrong saying this, but I think he does a good job of managing his pitches and his pitch count. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. like he 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 he's not a quick worker, but he's effective. Like he doesn't. There's not really many Hellickson games where it was a long inning, you know, like it was a 30-pitch inning or whatever, whatever. Like, he would be mm-hmm. at, like, 90-something pitches. And I think I'm going to say, wasn't it? I think that was, like, when he played at Cincinnati last year to open the season. I think he had, like, 90-something pitches, and he got to, like, the center center or something like that. That's effective. That's effective pitching. That means you're getting out, you're getting batters out, and you're doing it effectively. And I think that's another thing that he that they, that that he can show these younger guys because we've seen many instances where Aaron, Aaron Nola, who's coming off of the injury, which is going to be interesting to see how he performs this year, he would have you know mm-hmm. games where you know he had that long inning, or even you know Vincent Velasquez, who's you know he's a he's got now. We talk about a, a pitcher that has stuff. He's got some stuff. I mean, yes, he, he does. He, he's he's a He's a nasty pitcher. I mean, he can throw some heat, but what was his problem? His problem was that he would have games where he would, where he would, you know, have long innings, <laughs> and he couldn't locate sometimes. It just wasn't. He 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 didn't he didn't pitch effectively, which eventually I think they didn't they shut him down. I think towards the end of the season because it was just too many mm-hmm. innings on his arm or. Something of that nature. So I think that's another thing Hellison can show these guys as well, just how to be a more effective pitcher. Yeah, definitely, and that's definitely within his um, skill set and abilities. And I mean, like I said, like based on his experience. Yeah, he he's learned. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been in Tampa, so he's learned from David Price. I mean, that's, that's not pretty. That's, yeah, that's pretty good yeah. to learn from him. He came up when they still had a really good pitching staff. I think who else was in that pitching staff? I know it was Price. Casimir. And it was him. Yup, and Casimir, yeah. When you can when you can learn from those two guys and take a little pieces from each and incorporate into your own game, that's gonna take you to another level. And hopefully the Phillies younger guys like Nola and and Velasquez and, and Jared Eichhoff, who a lot of people don't want to be talking about either. And Eichhoff 
he has he he can pitch he can pitch well too. I think he has a a lot of people love his curveball and the way his curveball just just mm, drops. Great drop. Yep. Yeah, it's wicked. <laughs> so with the curveball, they can all take something from his from Alex and like he said, that doesn't even first pass. So like, hey, I'm doing this or yo, look at what he's doing. I think I can incorporate this. And you know, it's gonna, it'll automatically help this staff uh, going forward. And him and the addition of uh, Clay Buckles, can't forget about him. But he's also got Clay Buckles this off season as well. I don't know what to expect from Clay. He's kind of like the wild card. I want to have good feelings about him, but I'm just not sure. Just not sure about Clay. I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, that's why they call it wild card, Javon. I know, I know. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I hate him there, but um. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? Uh, uh, <coughs> uh, something was in my throat. Something was in my throat. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Wrong I thought day. I heard you wrong say wrong. you. I thought I thought I thought I heard you say you hate Gonzaga. And I love the Bulldogs. Go West Coast Conference. Mm. Uh-huh. WCC. Uh, <laughs> let's continue all here in the podcast. So we talked about Franco. We talked about Hellerstein. Um, let's talk about let's talk about two players that made the roster out of spring training hands, and that is Brock Stasi, the uh, the twenty seven year old. He's been in the Phillies minor league system for a minute, but he's finally getting his shot uh, right now, which is again excellent to see. That he's finally getting mm-hmm. his his time to shine right now, and also Daniel Nava is with the uh, is with the Phillies, and he's like you said, like you said to me, he's more going to serve that role as a uh, as a pinch hitter. You know, he's going to serve that role as that pinch hitter. But let's talk about these two guys. Um, what can we expect from them? Because you know. There is no more Ryan Howard. Tommy Joseph is going to be your starter. Sox is going to be your backup. And Nava, he's going to be an extra outfielder as well. So what what are you looking forward to seeing from from these uh, two players that are going to be on the 25-man roster? I think that the Phillies are in a really good position to try to uh, execute the statistically most successful strategy in the National League, and that's platooning because they've got a bunch of different players at the same position. Um, mm-hmm. So they can rest and have different pieces on their bench at any given time, which is the beauty of the National League game. You have to be able to work your bench and your bullpen at the same time. Um, yep. So I think that, you know, with the way the two of them hit, over spring training, Stassi at 339, and, you know, Nava just a shade under 400 at 386. Ooh. I think it definitely, yeah, he, and he was over 400 at one point um, late in the spring. So, like, yeah, 386, like, they definitely provide you some, like, bat pop off the bench. And uh, from what I've seen, now it's pretty fast. So he also probably could give you an opportunity to be a pitch runner. Mm-hmm. So I think they definitely both can contribute in multiple different ways and not just backups and I think the most important thing is I think Mackinac needs to try to experiment with platooning because that's the that's really the best way to win in the National League game. Yeah, no, you're right about that. That is the best way to win. 
like you said, to be able to platoon and um, and and give guys rest. You know, you want to be able not to have you know you're contending for a playoff spot. You don't want to have you know these guys you know tired in a down stretch. You know, you want to have defend dependable players where you can say, okay, Tommy Joseph is not in a bad hitting streak. He's in a bad slump right now, or he's tired. Let's run him out there again. Now you can say, okay. Let's give let's give Brock a turn, you know, to to play a couple of games. Or you see in the outfield, oh, such and such justice. It's a day game. Usually, we see mm-hmm. historically the Phillies they play a lot of backups in the day games because it's usually a night game that proceeds before that. So you see a lot of backups in. And like you said, this just right. makes the bench strong. This just makes the bench stronger. You have Stassi on the bench with Nava. Um, who else? I'm thinking um, Andrew Knapp. He's going to be backing up Cameron Ruff, another young guy. He's going to be mm-hmm. on the bench as well. We can't forget Andre Blanco. He's like your super utility man. <laughs> super utility man also on that bench. I mean, right. it's a pretty good bench that the Phillies have. Yeah, no, this the Phillies bench is going to definitely be stronger than it's been in the past couple of years, so. Definitely give us something to look forward to. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I hope we see a lot of close games this year. Hope we see a lot of fun games this year. I hope. I hope. I hope. I hope. And this is probably a far-fetched hope. I hope that the Phillies are contending for a wild card spot, which leads me to this, Angela. You told me today that the over the over under for Phillies wins this season is 72 and a half. Last season, the Phillies mm-hmm. finished with a record of seventy-one and ninety-one. As a betting woman like yourself, and we're not we're not encouraging anybody to call up their bookies and you know make this make this call. Street accountants, you know, street accountants. Yes, <laughs> street. We're not calling. We're not telling you to call your street accountants to you know make stone cold locks so you don't lose your houses. None of that stuff. We all we all viewer viewer discretion is advised when you check this podcast. I'll make this bet. But um, what is your gut telling you to take the over or take the under? I definitely take the over. Mm-hmm. I think they went. About, I think I think they went about eighty. Okay, I like that. I like that. I'm thinking the same way myself. I'm thinking eighty this year. I'm thinking eighty, eighty-two, eighty wins, eighty-two losses. That's not bad. I think eighty jumps not right. Jumps not good. Yeah. The, now, but does 80 get you in a wild card spot? Mm. Probably not. Probably not, but it gets them some respect. Mm-hmm. Almost like the Sixers, right? Almost like the Sixers. Like the Sixers getting to 30 wins almost gives them some sort of respect. No, 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 no. Nah, okay. <laughs> I was reaching. I was reaching. <laughs> yeah. The Phillies are still trying to win. This is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. I was reaching on that one. No, 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 don't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was reaching heavy. I'm looking at the wild card. I'm looking at the wild card standards from last year, and uh, in the in in the, in the in the, in the uh, National League, we had the Mets and the Giants get it both at 87 wins. So. They're going to be, that's going to be hard to get. Like you said, game win probably won't get them the wild card, but like you said, it gives them the respectability. And that also kind of makes it 
if you think about it, that kind of makes September really fun, too. Because if you're yeah, winning be, 80 games, in, that means you're putting some wins together in September. Yep, they'll be in the race, at least. Then that's all right. I think I think me and you will be okay with that, that we can have mm-hmm. a discussion in July and August saying that they're in the wild card race. We'll have that. Or I think, I think me and you will be in the race. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> if they hold up. <laughs> Remember how they started off the season last year, winning all those games? Mm-hmm. And going on that stretch, and everybody's like, oh, my God, they're about to do it. They're going to do it. And then the, 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 the eventually they came back down to earth, which is okay. Yeah, but every they, time someone started talking like that, they crash. Yes, I think that's like that's just Philadelphia sports in general. Every time we get our hopes up, and there's always that one person that makes the proclamation like, they're going to do it. This is your year. Things just go right down the call, and it just goes, explodes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't just doesn't look good, but I think, you know, I think for me and you and everybody else as baseball fans, to have meaningful baseball in July and August, not like if you're a San Diego Padre fan or a Colorado and you're just going, you're not really, you're only filling up half the stadium in July and August just because you want to do something, you know, it's great to have, it's great to have that type of atmosphere back down that Citizens Bank Park. And no disrespect to the Rock and Padres fans, but y'all get my drift. You get the drift. Yeah, I'm sure they understand. Even though I love watching a court, I love watching a, a, a Colorado Rockies game. That damn humidifier. They're always <laughs> you. You always get a high scoring, a uh, high scoring game of ten to uh, mm-hmm. ten to eleven or twelve to ten. And it's usually the Phillies that always end up in those wild games when there's like. A lot of runs being scored. See, great time. It's always a great time to watch those games. I've heard it's a beautiful stadium to watch the game in, so definitely on my list. Hey, Angela, tour all to all thirty ballparks. I love it. Um, I've been to three. That's it. <laughs> I'm slack. Okay. Hey, that's three. That's hey, hey, that's more than a lot of people. That's three. You got three. You can knock out the rest as we go along, and then you can all dance at each park and try out all the different foods and stuff at the crazy parks or whatever. And the MLB has been touting about, I think you might have seen it, they all these crazy foods that so many teams are running out uh, this year. Yeah, like out of there, um, My God. Um, the Arizona Diamondback Stadium has a foot-long churro, like the Mexican oh donut thing <laughs> coated in cinnamon sugar and it's like topped with chocolate and caramel and it's served in like a freaking glazed donut that's cut to look like a hot dog roll. That is like diabetes and like diabetes right there. Exactly. It's a dessert donut or dessert hot dog but it's essentially diabetes. (laughs) Did did you see see the one that they're doing at at, uh, the Braves game? The, The giant burger called the tomahawk chopper, tomahawk chopper, something like that, and they can yeah. serve a family of four. Like, that's Why ridiculous. Why one burger need to serve four people? That's high cholesterol right there. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, on the upside, um, this is not food-related, but, like, new things ballparks have to offer. <laughs> Did you see that the Phillies are doing a line of cats this uh, season that are modeled after City Six? So their Phillies hats, and really? like all of our school, yeah, all of our school's color schemes. 
Oh, Willie. Oh, man, I got to get me one. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I know. I need I need the temple one because it's a friggin' cherry and white Phillies hat and it's got a temple tape on the side of it. I just don't are, 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 they, like, are they selling them online yet? <laughs> I don't think they're selling them online. I think they're just in the Majestic store right now. Damn it. They need, they need to sell them online because I don't feel like going out to the Majestic store. They need to sell them online. I got to figure out what my hat size is in men's. I know that I have a kid's extra oh, yeah. large hat that fits me. Um, and I know that seven and five eighths <laughs> is a little bit too big, but I've never right. really thought myself a men's fitted hat. So maybe, so maybe you do need to go down to the Majestic Store just to try them out, just to try out the hats to say, okay, I think I found my size. Try them on, figure out my size, talk to my friend who's an usher there, and then have him buy it for me later. Hey, 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 I'm all, I'm all for it. Also, I, I saw somebody today talking about hats. I saw somebody today um, on Twitter. They had a, they was wearing pick. They was wearing a baseball hat of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pick. And it was like a fighting oh, bacon. The bacon hat? Like it was an angry bacon. Yes. Yeah. Oh my hat. god. I was like, I need that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, where did you get that hat from? I need that bacon hat. I need it. Yeah, they have like and they have like logos that are like just bacon. It's awesome. Yes, I know. I think they said that they're doing something along with the uh, Frenzo Grizzlies. They're like they're they're yeah. doing something. Yeah. And there'd be like the Fresno tacos or something like that. I'm like, oh my right. god, I love minor league baseball. And you have to vote for which one's better, and then whatever one wins, the opposing team has to like wear their logo for that entire series. Oh wow! See, I love minor league mm. baseball. I think I gotta yeah, get the minor league baseball hat. Yo, whoever handles, whoever handles the Phillies minor league affiliate social media and stuff and marketing. They completely kill it. They like, deserve a race. The, Red, the Reading Phillies commercials alone, like whoever is in charge of that, like, yeah, they deserve a race. Oh, yo, those are tremendous. Those mm-hmm. are tremendous quality minor league commercials. Especially with the one dude that's always on them, like, oh, I am this guy, and I play on the first side of my dad all the time. It's like, he actually on the team? My dad was like, no, he's not on the team. That's the whole joke. Or the dude that's always, or the dude that's always on the on the, on the ostrich. Yes. No, 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 not crazy ostrich man. This guy's dressed up like a player, and like he does like really like, <laughs> over the top like broadcaster voice like. My name is really? whatever the hell he I says his have, name. I is. haven't seen that one. And I play for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, and like it's just like, a <laughs> bunch of like you know, video montages of him making bad plays and not looking that athletic. I just remember looking at my dad, like, is this clown really on the friggin' Reading Phillies? Like, no, no, he's not. That's a whole joke. Like, oh, okay. Wow. I have to find yeah. I have to look up that commercial and find it because I'm interested in yeah. that. Unfortunately, I don't remember the tool's name, but. I'm pretty sure if I go on YouTube, I can search it and I'll pretty much find what I It'll need to find. Have, like, if you... If you just punch in, like, Reading Village commercials, it'll probably come up, like, number three mm-hmm. or four on the list. Oh, my God. I just went on the How About We Are Our Pigs website, and the fighting bacon hat is $35. I'm pretty sure one of the city six hats is, like, 45 so brace yourself, buddy. 
I think it's worth the forty five. <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth the forty five. Oh my god, yeah, I, have sure, I mean to you, for you to have a blue and gold one and me uh, have a cherry and white one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man, that is just that is just so beautiful. That's so beautiful to think about right now. I'm or I'm sorry, navy, navy and gold. Yes, navy and gold. I am so lucky not that right. my uh that my that my wallet is not sitting next to me right now. Yeah, these things will be some spending. Last night I had my wallet <laughs> sitting next to me and I ordered a pair of sneakers. Whoops. <laughs> I tell you, online shopping it just gets really addictive. You just can't um, stop yeah. it. And it's even worse with the age of the smartphone having like these apps for this, these places you freaking shop from. Because that was the thing. I'm sitting here, and like my alert tone goes off, which is like the guitar riff from Prince's Kiss, because it's still my alert tone. It was like famous footwear, gold member cards. Enjoy ten dollars off your purchase today only. And I was like, hmm, let's see what I can find. Oh my gosh! And then you started searching and started clicking. I did, I did. I found. I, I did buy all downhill. I bought myself a sick pair of Adidas that are pretty awesome. So eh, okay. something happened, but I never made the purchase of an option for famous foot. Yeah, for famous footwear. Damn you! And you're enticing coupons, you jerks. Oh my god! Famous um, footwear is 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 famous for that. That goddamn mm-hmm. buy one get one get one free type thing or get mm-hmm. one half off. Oh, my God. And the constant sending of the coupons. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I bought, like, six pairs of sneakers in the past three months. That's okay. That's okay. You don't get... get and I like to say you're balling on a budget. You're balling on a budget mm-hmm. with that. Uh, this is That's true. how you do this it. true. Because I spent less than 250 on all six pairs, so... Look at that. Look at that. That's a major key right there. As DJ Khaled would say, that's a major kick. You was, you was balling on a budget. If, we, if, people don't, if, people don't learn, if people don't learn anything from this podcast, they'll learn that you can ball on a budget. And if you use your mm-hmm. coupons the right way and go to Famous Footwear, you can get yourself a deal. Hell yeah, man. I got vans that have flamingos and shit on them. Cost me $22. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Let's wrap up this podcast where people start thinking. Like, or that, that how, how we go from right? How do you go from cats how do to we shoes to famous footwear to flamingos and stuff? Two it's flamingos like, and a like, fighting bacon hat. <laughs> Yo, it's like raising Arizona. That movie, that movie starring Nicolas Cage from the early nineties. When they kidnapped the oh, baby, yeah. and like they're talking, they're talking to the father, and they kidnap baby. He was wearing jammies. Well, can you describe the jammies, sir? I don't know. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them. <laughs> Classic movie line of the 80s. Like, my family and I will still volley that, like, that line back and forth. Oh, it's like, my I don't gosh. know what it looks like. Yeah, it had Yodas and stuff on it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this joint up. But everybody, thanks again for checking for tuning in to uh, this edition of the Total Force Love Podcast. Thanks again. Um, make sure you keep a watch to everything happening with Total Force Love. Make sure you follow Angela on Twitter at Angela Tone because she will be bringing you top notch news coverage 
on TotalSportsWild.com this season. Very top-notch Philly's coverage. Philly's coverage. Be prepared. She's going to bring the heat. You just got to be able to make sure you can hit the fastball and not strike out. But she'll be doing that on TotalSportsWild.com. Make sure you follow her on Twitter, like I said, and my tone. Follow me on Twitter at Jovan10. Uh, follow Total Sports Live on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Like the Facebook page. And like I said, to open up this show, make sure if you miss this podcast or miss any other podcast that we've done, you can check it out on blockoffradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. You can check it out on TuneIn Radio. And you can also check it out on iTunes. I think that's pretty much it, Angela. I think we plugged everything. Mm-hmm. I think we're good to go. I think but yeah. there's also one more thing we got to say. Enjoy opening day tomorrow. Or when you yes. listen to this, it will be tomorrow. <laughs> it will be tomorrow. And by the, time, by the time I speak to all your listeners next, it will already be the happiest day of the year. Home opener on Friday. So oh, everyone, yeah. who is going, yes, everyone who is going down there, be safe. Um, beware don't be of the ushers. Don't, yeah, beware of the ushers. Don't be too rowdy. And... Um, Watch out for scalpers. Yeah, watch out for scalpers. And uh, if you get down there before a certain time, don't park in the Holiday Inn so there's room for me when I get down there, suckers. Holiday Inn is the only way to go. They let you use their bathroom if you park in their lot. Yeah, there you go. Just Man, balling on a budget and finesse moves. I like this. That could be the hashtag when I that could be the hashtag when I tweet off this uh, tweet off this podcast. Ball it on the budget and finesse moves. I love it. <laughs> Damn, Ange, back it again with the twenty two dollar vans. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it. So like Angela said, Friday the Philly football open. I think the game will be on NBC ten, if I'm not mistaken. So you can check it out on there. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Like I said, stay tuned for your Phillies coverage all season long on TotalSportsLive.com. For me and Angela, everyone have a good one, and we will talk to you all very soon. Bye, everyone. And if you're at the game on Friday, make sure you ask the saxophone man to play Stairway and see if he complies. Have a good night. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Do it every time. Still waiting for him to play stairway. <laughs>